Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet wiener. Oh, listen, Laverne, shit I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. <laughs> all right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome aboard. You found the Barbecue Central show. We do a live show each Tuesday from 9 to 11 p.m. While we do this live show that we're doing right now, we are recording at the same time. The show will go up hour number one on Wednesday and then hour number two on Thursday. You will also find Friday a new best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. This week, you will find a visit with Tuffy Stone and a Connie's Recipe Corner, if you remember that. That episode, 2010. Wow, that's a long time ago. Almost nine years ago. Nine years. Wow. So look for Tuffy Stone and Connie's Recipe Corner coming up on Friday, thanks to John Solberg. Still to come on this show, Josh Resnick. From Duck Char, we will be talking to him about his particular, uh, do I say duck meat purveying business? Duck meat supply business? We'll get all the right things to call it in about 11 or 12 minutes from now. Then we will close the show with Dion Blumenrader. Dion is starting to get his sauce to market. So we will follow right along with him. Every quarter, we will meet up with him and see how it's going. Tonight, we plan to learn about Dion personally, professionally, background in the live fire aspect. And then more importantly, when the sauce came to be and when he decided to make the jump into selling it, contacting a co-packer, what that relationship has been like, I have to imagine That really is a binder of success. If you have a crappy co-packer, you're pretty much jammed up. If you don't get on the same page, if your your co-packer is saying, hey, you need to substitute this sugar for this fake stuff, and you taste it, and you know it's not going to work, and you said, hey, co-packer, my money, put in the sugar that I want, and take your saccharin-laced sweetener and stick it where the sun don't shine. And he's like, no, no, that's not going to work for me. You got a problem. I think you need to be simpatico with your co-packer. Simpatico with your co-packer. We get a t-shirt made on that real quick. All revenues to me. So that's what you have coming up. Love to hear from you. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram and Twitter, slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook. 
Don't forget this Friday, I will be making my weekly local radio appearance as a guest on the John Cupo show where I am billed as a live fire cooking expert. (laughs) I've got them completely tricked over there. If you're local to Cleveland within a 20 minute range of Willoughby, Ohio, FM dial 101.5 or 1330 on your AM dial. And no, if you switch over to the AM, you don't get better distance. It's about 20 miles outside of Willoughby in all areas. 20 miles outside of Willoughby going north is about 18 miles into Lake Erie, so you probably don't want to go there. But typically that's what I find when I leave the station and I have it tuned in and I start to go downtown right about Dead Man's Corner. That's 15 minutes. Say a mile a minute, you know, so 15, maybe 20 miles, start to lose it. If you're not local or you don't want to contend with the fences of radio broadcast transmission, online is available as well, wintradio.com. I usually get in around 7.30 in the morning and run till at least 8.30. And if the movie guy isn't there, they hold me over because I am brilliant as a guest and provide not only great live fire cooking, entertainment, and factual value, but I could pretty much talk on any topic. Check me out, WINT Radio, 7.30 each Friday on the John Cupo Show. Okay, so as you can see it, the video is back up. Of course, the folks on YouTube can't see it this week. But trust me, it's here. I can see me again. My pledge to live in as much hypocrisy as possible is still intact. The simple answer is I'm using a different camera that, for whatever reason, produces a better end product. If I only had my lighting expert watching the feed. John, are you watching the feed? He's not a Facebook guy, so I'm going to guess dollars to donuts that he's not on Facebook evaluating the video feed. John Dawson, by the way, not John Solbert. But I'm looking at it, and it probably doesn't look the same way as it's being tossed to Facebook as it does to me here locally, but I don't see a lot of the stuff that, what are the hell they call it, the, the shadowing or the halo effect or whatever. I mean... I don't look any better myself, but I think the overall lighting stuck some parchment paper up on the studio lights. Anybody know about that? Little extra layer of diffusion courtesy of John Dawson as well. So that's the simple answer. I'm just using a different camera and I have some parchment paper over the studio lights to produce what is hopefully a better end product on the video side. But that's it. I still don't see what the big deal is with needing to see me. But hey, who am I to argue? Soak it up. Soak it up. As a reminder, I mentioned in the first hour, the latest version of Horse Me t-shirts are submitted to Amazon. I do have a working link. It was just kicked back to me with the working link minutes before the show went on to the internet air. So if you're interested in getting a updated version of that, just go ahead and shoot me an email. I'll link it up in a bunch of other places here 
as time goes by, but if you just can't wait to get your hot little fingers on it, shoot me an email and say, give me the horse meat link. I'll send it over to you. Uh, Just for point of reference, I am making per shirt a grand total of $1.13. So if you think I am getting rich, you're right. Again, net profit to me, $1.13. I did go with the upgraded shirt quality that Amazon offers. Want to make it a nice shirt, one that'll last a little bit. So five years from now, you can go back through and see the yearly demarcations on the horse meat shirts. You know, because one year, we're actually going to get this thing to really pick up steam. Can you imagine this show when I'm talking to whoever the Pat LaFrieda of horse meat is? That's going to be great. It's going to be that guy from Pittsburgh that was arrested last summer, right? Or was at least investigated for serving horse at his pop-up that the Canadian dudes came down to do? Remember that? What was that guy's name? Alex Levine or Alex Sullivan or maybe not Alex or Levine or Sullivan. I'm just trying to go off of recollection. Can you imagine this show when horse meat is reestablished as being legal and an option to go alongside of all the other proteins available in the world that are legal here in the States. That's going to be a tremendous achievement. You will all be able to look back and say, I remember when that bag used to talk about why can't we have horse meat and that every other animal on the farm except for the dog and the cat gets eaten and there's no problem. But the horse can't. The horse is over with the dog and the cat, and nobody wants to eat it because it's got big eyes and it's cute, and it helped build this country, and blah, blah, blah. Well, he stuck to it, and X many years later, horse meat's available again. It used to be available. Remember that? Totally legal, totally enjoyed, by the way. I'm not going to go into the whole diatribe as I used to. But it was totally legal, totally loved, totally preferred over beef, especially when times were tough on a financial and economic standpoint. Tasted really good and quite a bit less than the traditional beef. So, Horse Meat 2019 shirts are available. Hit me up if you want the link immediately. If not, I'll share it around social media and all that other stuff. So you, too, can join the movement, the new movement, the 2019 edition of Hashtag Horsemeat 2019. How original. Josh Resnick coming up to talk about duck meat. Before that, I'm going to be talking about Green Mountain Grills. And we love pellet cookers here on this show. We had... At one point, three different manufacturers of pellet cookers advertising here on this show. Everybody agreeing that there's a lot of surface to be scratched and a lot of marketplace to be had. That's what we like. Friendly competition. Love each and every one of those sponsors. But Green Mountain Grill is certainly one of my favorites. I have two of them right on my back patio right now. I have a big-ass Jim Bowie. I also have a medium-assed Daniel Boone, 
don't have the Davy Crockett. That might be my next purchase now that I'm thinking about it. We do have some volleyball tournaments coming up here this weekend and over the next two, three months. And, of course, the little one uh, is doing softball yet again. Uh-oh. Maybe Davy Crockett is in line for what potentially could be the last season of travel softball. Forget running to the crappy concession stands. You take your Davy Crockett with you to the tournament. And if you don't have access to a traditional power outlet, doesn't matter. All my cars have multiple 12-volt outlets, so I'll just take the adapter, plug it in there, and I'll have wood pellet-fired goodness to share with my family and my softball fan. They will say things like, you really are a barbecue master. And I'll be like, damn right I am. Thanks to GreenMountainGrills.com. Not only can I get these great cookers, I can get sauces and spices and pellets. The Jim Bowie and the Daniel Boone obviously accommodate the pizza oven insert. That's something that is, is really continuing to gain. For as popular as it is, continuing to gain steam. So exciting. GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. I have Jason Baker lined up for a February visit later in the month. We're going to be talking about a lot of cool new stuff. GreenMountainGrills.com. Duck Talk coming back. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. The only show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue. A man actually named Meathead. The author of a barbecue bible. Bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. What I am encouraging you to do right now is to race over to Smithfield, smokingwithsmithfield.com, and take advantage of the last couple spots of their Smithfield Committed Cooks program. I think it's 20 bucks. You get over $100 or $150 worth of swag. Smokingwithsmithfield.com. Also, you can check your grant program uh, grant program recipients there as well. Smokingwithsmithfield.com. That's smokingwithsmithfield.com. All right. Aside from Robin Lindars, who seems to be jammed up more by her spouse than by choice when it comes to this protein, how many of us ever think about duck? I can safely speak for myself and say... Never. I have never once thought that I have been missing out on duck simply because it's not out there in front of me being marketed as a good alternative to the beefs, chickens, lambs, other proteins that you see more frequently. Well, my next guest is out to change that with his company, Duck Char. So let's see if this duck thing is all quacked up like it's supposed to be. See what I did right there? We head to the Traeger Grills hotline and welcome first-timer to the show, Josh Resnick. Josh, how are you, buddy? Great, Greg. Thanks for having me on. That was the, the worst pun ever, right? Uh, yeah, I'd be lying if I said that. <laughs> we haven't heard that before. Of course, of course. I always try and point out the obvious. Uh, Josh, before we get into the duck talk, maybe a little background about you uh, personally, professionally, and uh, then we'll get into the meat. Yeah, sure. So, um, uh, 
my brother and I, we started Duck Char. My background is um, I'm an attorney uh, from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, and my brother, he uh, did a lot of, um, you know, he was in television production out in LA, but he spent a lot of time in France. And that is sort of his time in France kind of uh, is where the idea for our company came from because that is where our product is from. What kind of uh, attorneying were you doing? Uh, litigation, general litigation, um, that type of thing. So are so. you are you like the company lawyer too for Duckchar? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think at this point I am the company lawyer. Yeah. No, the attorney background was certainly helpful. Not that I knew anything about uh, running a duck company before, but um, I think I at least knew which uh, questions to ask. And then my brother's background in television production, he certainly had a good idea of, you know, just uh, branding and content and sorting all that type of stuff out. All right. So you had mentioned that your brother spent some time in France. Uh, I had Stephen Reichlin on in the first hour, was asking him about duck, and he immediately went to how much of a a common thing eating duck is over there and and i guess not so much here so uh, where does duck char kind of uh, become born out of was it your brother's time in france eating duck and then coming back and going where the hell is the good duck yeah you you hit uh the nail on the head there so he was there for about two years and he was eating duck and he, the first time he came across moulard duck which is what we um provide he was just shocked at like how good the taste was and how different it was than the Pekin duck, what he had previously had in the U.S. So when he came back, um, and let me just jump back a second. When he's in France, he was eating moulard duck all the time, just like we eat like steak, chicken, and fish, that yep. type of thing, those type of proteins. So when he came back, you know, when he was in France, he wanted to share this product with everyone. So when I visited him, he's like, you got to try this stuff. It's so good. And then when he came back, he couldn't find it anywhere. And he kind of realized you couldn't find it anywhere. And then he had the other realization that this is just something that's like objectively delicious. And then he's like, well, I'm going to start a, a duck company. Well, I, this is going to sound like a, a really weird question, but were there other, was he going around and saying, Hey, you know, Timmy and, and Bob, you know, I've, I've had this great duck in another country and now I'm back and where, where's the great duck? And, was it on anybody else's radar, or I guess maybe the the better question is, and, and you can uh, kind of delineate what we're talking about here. When when I hear people are eating duck, they have previous to eating it uh, sniped it out of the sky with a gun of some sort. This isn't <laughs> the same thing. We're not talking about shooting birds out of the sky, or, <laughs> ducks out of the sky, and then ripping out their feathers and then eating them a little later that night, right? No, we're not talking about that at all. And it's funny that you mentioned that because um, the ducks that you're talking about sniping out of the sky, those are mallard ducks, and we sell moulard. And the the way it's uh, pronounced, the way it sounds, is very similar, I guess, to the untrained deer and someone who doesn't really know anything about ducks. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, um, you know, we're doing demonstrations, we're attending barbecue events. You know, we, we've been accused of uh, mispronouncing the name of our uh, very own product, which is kind of funny. You're but, mispronouncing your product. <laughs> yeah, we, we certainly are. Great. But no, yeah. So there's a huge difference between the mallards and the moulards. Um, the mallards are, you know, they're a wild duck. They, they have a gamey flavor versus the moulards. That's uh, not the case. And then to jump back to, you know, he what my brother was asking for the product. And it, it does have some presence in the U.S., but it really only has a presence, you know, for someone who you know, went to, you know, a European city and like, oh, I really like that cheese. or I really like that protein. And they, 
you know, there's places here that source kind of like fine gourmet things, mm. but, um, our idea and what, what we're doing is, you know, presenting it like a premium protein, like a premium ribeye, something comparable to that. So when did you decide that this was going to be a business and, and how do you go about starting it? Yeah, that, that's a good question. We, so we kind of had, we we're kicking around this idea and, you know, we'd have our friends over and we had them try the duck and, you know, of course your friends and your family, you know, if you've got, if you've got good <laughs> friends and family on your side, you know, they're super supportive. Um, but, uh, we, we needed to find a way to test out the product before, you know, we went all in on it. So we sold duck char, Moolard duck at a farmer's market in St. Louis, Missouri, two years ago for a month. <laughs> and every week we sold out, um, we collected all the contact info for all the different people who had purchased our product. And the farmer's market community is great because, you know, people come there, they're looking for new things to try. And it was, it was nice to get, you know, some feedback about our idea other than just, you know, having our, our mom tell us that we're just, you know, geniuses. <laughs> right. Yeah. So just a word, word to the wise and the entrepreneurs out there, I would get some feedback outside of, uh, you know, your, your family before you do something. But once the feedback was so strong, um, we decided, hey, this is a good thing. We, we've kind of like, the, the public's kind of affirmed that we're on the right track. And that's when we um, started the company. And that was about August 2016. So when you start in August 2016, do you also know that this Moulard duck is what you're looking to source or is that also a a hurdle that you have to get over? Uh, We kind of figured out the sourcing thing leading up to the farmer's market because we we were sourcing it, but we hadn't really branded it yet. So we're dealing with things like you know, getting our label approved by the USDA and, and even just really finding the right people to talk to, to figure out, you know, how, how that process goes, what you need, what grocers want. And, um, it's kind of funny. Like you always have an idea of where your product's going to be like really successful. Like we thought, you know, avenues A and B would be really great. And then randomly, um, you know, we had an Instagram account and a lot of the folks in the barbecue community, uh, start reaching out to us and purchasing our product and coming up with ideas and sharing recipes for us. So then we started smoking our duck um, all the time and started attending barbecue fest and stuff. And that led us down this road that, you know, probably before we attend that farmer's market, something that we didn't think was going to be as popular as it is. So that's been really fun. When you go into the marketing side or you've secured the sourcing, now you actually got to go about selling it. Was it all thought to be an online drive or was it going to be something that you were going to need to pull through, let's say a a whole foods or whatever the soup to your grocery store in your area is going to be to be a success? Uh, We thought originally that we were going to have the most success selling it, you know, at like smaller independent grocers that have high end products that are looking to try new things. And then we also just kind of had the online direct to consumer thing, uh, set up because fortunately it was pretty easy to set up for us. But um, once the b- barbecue community kind of latched onto it and then we started, we found this like huge uh, social media presence of all these people doing all these different things that took us in a whole different direction. So that's primarily where our focus has been. Um, it's been working with, you know, we attend a lot of big green egg fest, do a lot of demos at uh, barbecue events in St. Louis, Missouri, things of that nature. Um, just to clear up again, these aren't birds that are being hunted. These are, I guess, for lack of a better term, are farm-raised ducks. Yeah, correct. So this is moulard. Um, you know, in the U.S., you're really going to encounter two types of ducks. Mainly, you're gonna you're gonna have the hunters who are shooting the mallard ducks, the wild ducks, and then in restaurants you're going to be eating Pekin duck. 
um, Pekin, uh, and lastly, we, and we're selling Moulard. So Pekin, the taste profile, everything about it, it's more akin to chicken. It's, you know, it's got a lot of color. It's smaller. Um, and the Moulard is more like steak in terms of size, texture, and appearance. And the Moulard duck is actually a hybrid. So it's a Pekin and a Muscovy duck uh, bred together. And that is what we uh, sell and distribute. All right, so let's go high-level duck taste profile or you know whatever hot buzzword you want. I've never had it in my life, so what would it be akin to and uh, what flavors would I be expect jumping on my palate? Well, so uh, if we take it, like if we take a picture of it and we put it up in front of our, one of our demo tents or something, a lot of people think when it's sliced that it's beef tenderloin. Hmm. So we say that it's like steak but with a rich duck twist because you do really do have that um, sense that you're eating like a, a really nice red meat, but there is uh, this richness about it that, you know, beef doesn't deliver, but that the duck does. And with that, you're avoiding uh, the gamey flavor, which I think a lot of folks just normally associate with duck, mainly because I think there's so many duck hunters. Mm. Yeah. And it's best. The other thing about it, which, you know, a lot of stuff with, times just like educating people about the difference between mallard and moulard is that you can actually cook and you should cook our duck medium rare um for the best flavor best taste from the the species you said it's a a combination of is it pecan and muscovy yes correct okay i mean are there I don't know, limitless amounts of farm species ducks that you could have tried to, to get together in hybrid or, I mean, are, is there a limited selection that you can really mess around with? Uh, well, the, the Moulard duck is like proven. So, uh, like what Stephen was saying before in France, how duck is on, you know, it's, you go to a restaurant, they have chicken, steak, duck, fish, the duck that is on every menu there is Moulard. So that is like the staple of their diet. There's no peak and duck or anything like that. So the French are surprised that we even have like these different varieties because they're only eating moulard. Mm. So for us, it was really easy because we had this high quality product. Uh, we figured out where to source it from. Um, there's really no question about it. And what really drove it all was just that the moulard is so good um, and so much better than pecan. So let's uh, ask that question. Um, as far as sourcing it, was that difficult or do you just do a like a quick google search and and you have some things come up or how does that go no it's actually pretty challenging fortunately um my brother speaks french so most of the farmers are french and a lot of those farmers don't speak english so he was able to communicate with them he actually went to france uh he went to a farm and he was you know got to see how they're raised and learn a lot about the process because at first we didn't really know what shape the company was going to take but we were trying to figure it out from you know, all different aspects from start to finish. And then we uh, now source our uh, Moulard duck from a farm in French Canada. Um, and and my, my brother, through his French contacts and his language skills, he was able to figure that out because I, um, even with Google Translate, it's kind of hard <laughs> to understand those pages. Um, from a purchasing experience, what's it like for an online person to go to your website and, and give us an idea of what the purchase experience is like from start to finish? Yeah, so we try to make it as easy as possible. We have flat rate shipping all throughout the lower 48. Um, you can buy duck on our website. We sell an individual. Uh, we, we sell three breasts as the minimum, up to nine. And they're individually vacuum sealed. They're shipped on dry ice. They arrive frozen. They're good for two years. It's super easy to just like throw one in the fridge, let it thaw out, and you know throw it on the grill or pan sear. Um, but we try to make it as easy as possible. And we also have 
Another thing like we really pride ourselves on is because so many people are unfamiliar with it. And a lot of times we have folks, you know, think getting it is a gift for someone else. Um, our customer team and recipe folks are like really available to walk people through the process because it, it is. So when you cook our duck, there's a layer of fat on the moulard duck. So you don't need to add any oil to the pan or anything like that. And it's, it's really easy to do, but if you don't follow the basic instructions, like you can kind of make it harder on yourself. If you add like olive oil or something like that, cause then you have oil everywhere. So we're always there to, um, keep people on the right track. And once you do it once and you do it right, I mean, it's just like anything else. It's, it's very simple. Is there a favorite way to prepare it? So the traditional way, um, which is like a really nice way just to get a sense of what the meat tastes like, is just to cook it, uh, pan sear it with salt and pepper um, in the pan. You cook it in its own fat. And that, another thing is you want, you're going to want to save the duck fat just so you can use it later to roast potatoes or do anything else. And then probably my favorite way now is to smoke it on the grill, which is also, you know, it's really nice because the thing with the duck, unlike a chicken breast, you know, we just have like a one pound piece of duck with the fat, but the fat really acts as a nice like insulator. So Mm -hmm. the duck doesn't take on too much smoke, but so we'll smoke it and I'll probably take it up to a temp around like internal temp of like 115, 120. And then I'll put it right over skin side down on direct heat to get it that nice, to get the skin, like a really nice crispy finish. And then when you cut into it, you kind of met, your mouth is met with like these really nice um, variants and textures. So you have the medium rare meat, and then you've got this uh, kind of crispy, delicious, um, fatty skin as well. So that that's my favorite way to do it. And it's a, it's a whole mouthful. You stick the, the fat, the crispy skin, and the meat all in your mouth. You don't trim the fat off or anything? No, no, no. You definitely don't. You definitely don't want to trim the fat off. I mean, for some people, like some duck aficionados out there, I think they would think that would be like sacrilegious just because that fat is like liquid gold um, to use. And then you could have like a dipping sauce or something like that. And then for the folks who've never tried it before, a lot of times, you know, they'll experiment. And we like to say that anything that generally pairs well with like a, like a nice uh, cut of red meat, like it, it works well with the duck too. So do you, I mean, could you take the layer of fat off even before you cook it and just like render the fat out to keep Is that, is that a weird thing to say? No, it's not a weird thing to say at all. So the, we we actually, you know, some people have like their own health. Uh, they're trying to limit their calories or something like that. Like you could potentially, I've never done this, but you could uh, cut the fat off to avoid that. And then when you, so when you're cooking it in the pan, not so much on the grill, but in the pan, the fat's going to render out and you're going to want to remove the fat from the pan. And, and you'll want to save that because... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're making really whatever, if you're just making rice or Brussels sprouts or potatoes, um, you're going to cook it in that fat and it'll give it this nice, really crispy, golden, uh, rich finish. Do you find that you guys have had to overcome, uh, I guess what would be for lack of a, a better term, a ducks, a duck sucks mentality. In other words, people are just singularly focused on the hunted duck versus what you're, uh, offering and, and you have to kind of constantly re-educate or, or newly educate these potential customers? Oh, yeah, totally all the time. And mm-hmm. it's like a welcome conversation on our part. I mean, people say that they've tried a certain duck. Like one of my good friends, his wife, you know, hated duck. She didn't want to, we, we made talk, we made duck char tacos once and mm-hmm. she had had duck at this restaurant before. And, um, you know, <laughs> you know, the, the customer's always right, but, um, <laughs> Sometimes they're sort of wrong, and but you try to just like steer them back onto the path that you're on. 
just to let them know that there is a uh, large and like substantial difference between Pekin and Moulard and Mallard. And it's really just like education. And really the best way that it works is that, you know, you ask them if they've ever had something before and they said they have, and then we have, you know, you show them just a picture of what a slice of Moulard duck looks like. Mm. And then they'll kind of look like a little less sure of their previous answer. <laughs> Josh Resnick joining so. me here on the show. Duckchar.com is the website. Josh, you want to do a lightning round before I let you go tonight? Uh, sure. All right, let's do it. I'm going to ask you a variety of this or that questions. Just the first thing off the top of your head. Nothing is right or wrong. Mostly. Okay. All right, yes or no, searing seals in the juices? Uh, no. Okay, good. Uh, reverse sear or normal sear? Uh, reverse sear. Sweet or savory? Savory. Brisket or beef ribs? Ooh. Uh, beef ribs. <laughs> fat side up or fat side down? Fat side up. Foil or butcher paper? Butcher paper. Podcasts or radio? Podcast. Finally, open pit or sweet baby race? Uh, open pit. You were doing so good, Josh. How'd that go? I have really? No idea. Wow, unbelievable! I don't. I can't tell you how many people say open pit, and I think that is like the most vile. I think it stains your teeth and skin orange if you actually get it on you. I don't know. Uh, in the meantime, if you have duck questions or you are interested in getting your hands on some moulard duck, not mallard moulard duck, you go to duckchar.com, just like it sounds. D u c k c h a r duckchar.com. Josh. Really appreciate the conversation tonight, educating us on the duck. And uh, I'm excited to put in my order and have a go at it. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for having us on. Great talking to you. And uh, love talking duck char. So it's, it's definitely a pleasure. All right. Thanks again. There he is. All right. Thanks. Josh Resnick. All talking guests duck char. Via the Trigger Grills hotline. Duck char. I don't even know if uh, Robin. Uh, is still listening. I actually guess it would be her husband, Scott. But Scott, what do you know? You are you excited? Private, uh, private message me. Robin doesn't know you have my phone number because we text secretly. What do you think about duck char? Are you excited about that? I think I'm excited. Dion Blumenreiter coming up out of the break. Let me talk to you quickly about Southside Market and Barbecue. Attention anyone who loves sausage and barbecue. That's all of us, by the way. Established in 1882, Southside is the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. They've been owned and operated by the same family for three generations. Famous for the original beef sausage that's coarse ground and a natural pork casing. An authentic Central Texas barbecue like ribs and briskets. All meats, including the prime biscuits. Slow smoked for many hours over real Texas post oak wood. They ship nationwide via the online store southsidemarket.com. They also ship fresh and smoked sausages nationwide. Shipping customers can choose to order now and ship later. Include a custom gift note and mail to multiple addresses without additional charges. All shipped items vacuum sealed to ensure freshness and ease of preparation for the customer. Shipped with dry ice to ensure complete freshness upon arrival. All meats are processed in that on-site USDA inspected facility. On-site meat markets for fresh and smoked products. Custom orders welcome as well. Two restaurants for you to try. Elgin, Texas, that's the oldest one, again, since 1882. Bastrop, Texas is the other one. 
since 2014 grocery distribution through Texas and many surrounding states. And here's the kicker. If you go to southsidemarket.com and you fill up your shopping cart and you want to take 10% off that order, here's how you do that. At checkout, use code BBQCENTRAL. BBQ Central, one word, lowercase, get you 10% off the entire order at southsidemarket.com. That's great. All right, we are back with Dion Blumenreiter. Stick around, be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. This segment brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via the Bluetooth. And if you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. I am so excited. I just got my Fireboard last week. And as soon as I can get outside and put that thing to the test, I am excited. Hooked right up to my Wi-Fi network. It was super simple. Very excited. All right, a few years back, I had a plan to follow around three competition barbecue teams. Did really well the first time out, and then I totally let it go. That was my fault. Concept was great, but I blew it. Well, I think it's time to start up again, but this time I am going to do it from a different angle. Nothing to do with competition barbecue. This time it's sauce business right from the very start. Dion Blumenrader is part of Big Hoss Barbecue, and he is in the process of getting his sauce to market. I thought it would be a great track to find somebody that's starting from the ground up, see what the process is, also sharing some of the successes, the challenges. The victories, the heartaches, the highs, the you get the idea. So let's go ahead and race to the Traeger Grills hotline and welcome in Dion Blumenrader. Dion, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, Greg. How are you? I'm absolutely fabulous, Dion. Appreciate you making the time this evening. And uh, as I had mentioned, you were kind enough to share your story with me. And I was like, man, you know, this would be great because how many of us, and I'm one of them, that have devised some kind of an original sauce. I mean, it all comes off of some kind of a weirdo recipe, but eventually you craft it and make it into your own and gets into the hands of family and friends and family and friends have no idea about money or anything. And they just want to make sure they keep getting free stuff. So they tell you your sauce is the best ever. You should get this thing to market. It's the whole deal. We've all been there if we've ever made a sauce. So before we get into some of that, let's get a quick background about you, what you might do professionally, and when you kind of got into the barbecue deal. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a farmer out here in the uh, middle of South Dakota, um, uh, born and raised. That's all I've ever done is being a farmer. Um, a friend of mine got me hooked up uh, uh, with another guy that was into uh, barbecue, built his own uh, reverse offset uh, stick burner. And came to town, did a rib contest, and asked me if I wanted to help, and I did. Uh, and I instantly, instantly got hooked on that whole process and the products that we were, were making on there. So him and I kind of joined up and, and created a team called Big Hoss Barbecue, and we try to do some a lot of backyard competitions and stuff like that. He's doing a lot of catering with it, and um, I kind of got involved on the 
on the on the sauce end or the uh, trying to come up with different flavors and and it's just kind of taken off from there how long ago did you come up with uh, we're going to call it one sauce because that's the the name of the sauce that's going to be hitting the bottle here shortly but when did one sauce make an appearance and uh, how long did it take to craft into something that you figured was, I guess for lack of a better term, the one? Well, I'll tell you, it happened here that just this fall here. I, uh, oh, wow. uh, the parents get together and we, we, we uh, feed the football players on Thursday night before a Friday night game. And, of course, they always they kind of like what we're doing now with our, with our barbecue. So I've, I've, I have a UDS. I have a Hunsacker. UDS here at my house. Um, so I cooked up some, some, uh, butts and you know, I, you can throw the barbecue sauce in there and, and there's lots of choices. And I decided, well, I want to have two choices for the kids. So I, I want to come up with a, like a South Carolina style mustard. And that was the inception of it. I started with that and, and just started throwing stuff in a bowl and, and trial and error and decided and it went way off the course from being just mustard but uh i tried this different recipe and threw it together threw it in a bottle and sent it with with my son to to that feed and they really liked it uh in fact after the after it was all over the coach requested that uh he could get a couple more bottles of that because he really liked it and that's when that's when the light went off in my head and i thought wow this is something here and it's it is, you know, it's, it is totally unique. I, I'll have to toot my own horn on that, but it, it, is, it is totally unique. And everyone that's tried it since, is, and I've got, you know, friends and family, those are biased opinions, but it's it stretched out beyond that. And they all said, hey, this is really good. You should do something with this. And it just got me thinking, maybe I should. Why don't I try it? Deion Blumenrader talking to me here about one sauce, which is his sauce that's uh, getting ready to hit the bottles literally here. Can you explain then or give me like the 30-second elevator pitch on how one sauce tastes and what it works best on? Yeah, that's the thing. Um, it, it works and, and I, I, it works on everything. It really does. We've been trying it on. I've got a whole list here. My friends and I, we sit around and, and we'll, just, we'll just try everything with it. And it, it seems to work with almost everything. It, it's kind of a... It started out life as a as a mustard sauce, but it's taken on a whole different dynamic, and it kind of swayed into the. It's got a little bit of an Asiany realm to it, um, but yet it's it's appealing enough to the younger crowd, of all my 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 son and all his friends and everybody. They have actually, and that's when I knew I was really onto something. Uh, you know, you serve them nuggets or whatever here. Uh, it's a quick snack and they were reaching for that instead of the ranch hmm. and ranch is the holy grail with the youth of america <laughs> and they were reaching for that instead and i thought okay now we're getting we're reaching the youth that's who we need so it's kind of an asian inspired honey mustard i guess is how i would call it dan what's the real driving force behind getting this sauce to market. I mean, if we're being honest with each other here, and this is what's going to be so magical about this uh, quarterly documentary, if you will, is you know the, the honesty that we're going to be able to transact back and forth. There's so many sauces out there anymore. I mean, 10 years ago, I would be like, man, 
this is great. I'm going to help you get to here. You're kind of hitting the stride. I mean, now you go down any grocery store chain, and you've heard it here on this show a bunch of times, there's half an aisle or a whole aisle or an aisle and a half of different barbecue and grilling stuff that range from rubs and marinades and sauces to everything else in between. Is there a thought or was there a thought that you're like, hey, we're getting a lot of great feedback. Kids are reaching it instead of ranch. We think we want to do this, but the reality is there's so much stuff out there right now. It's going to be really hard to stand out from the crowd. We might just get lost in whatever else is the white noise. Yep, that's exactly that, and it's in the name of it. It's it's one sauce for all, and and the reason I, I felt like I was compelled to take this to the next step is because it is so unique. And I've been through, you know, every time I go to a grocery store, every time I go uh, to a barbecue store, or whatever, I go through the barbecue aisle, I go through the rubs aisle, I, I look at all that stuff because I really like that stuff. I'm always wanting to try different stuff, and it got to the point with the barbecue sauces. And this is not a knock on anybody because there's some fantastic barbecue sauces out there, but they're all the same. They're, they're all based off of the same platform with some different techniques to them to change them a little bit. There was nothing totally unique. And when I come up with this and it was just throwing stuff together with happenstance, it all of a sudden it, it was, it's, it's in its own category. It's totally unique. And I thought, I got to I got to see how far this goes. I got to see if this is actually the new ranch or or uh, you know something like that. I, I had to see how far this could go. I just feel compelled to do it. So what's the next step? You have everything tested out. You have really good independent feedback. Do you find a co-packer first, or do you start trying to figure out how much money that you're going to need to to set aside or be on the spend initially? What do you tackle first? Okay, the first thing I did was, uh, of course, went online because there's, there is one company here in South Dakota that's making a, a barbecue sauce. It's, it's called Old West, and they've had really good success. Um, but other than that, there was really no one to get in touch with. So I just went online, and I started looking for co-packers, which I wasn't even familiar with that term till I, till I listened to your show. That's, I mean, your show got me pushed into this direction, too, because I didn't even know what a co-packer was. And, and I looked at one that was, I tried to find one that specialized in sauces and I tried to find one that was relatively close to me. So I didn't have to drive all the way across the country to visit with mm-hmm. them. And I ended up settling on one in golden Colorado. Cause that's nine hours from me, which is the closest that I, that I thought was going to suit my needs. And I went with an outfit called red law and, and we see, we just kicked it in. They've sent me a 35-page document. I got to go over all of that, and um, I've got to send them the initial the fee to get things started, to get a test batch going, and that's where we're at right now. I just got the fee processed yesterday, and now I get scheduled for what they call a test batch, which I'm not 100% familiar with that yet, but we're just just getting rolling on this. So how much money are we in between the you know fees and whatever test batch is going to cost, whatever else you've done previous to getting the product in your hands to take a test and say, hey, this is exactly what I'm looking for, or, or now we're going to start the tweaking process? What kind of cash layout are we looking at? Well, the, the, initial, the initial to get rolling and get all this paperwork going, which includes all the FDA compliance and all that, and the and the new client fees and all that, we're looking at $1,500 to get going. And that's, of course, not counting 
uh, you know, I've got a lot of money invested in all the ingredients. I've been making the sauce and handing it out, and I haven't asked for any reimbursement because all I want is people's feedback, and it's all been positive. So I haven't even been charging people around here. I just want to find out if it's worth it and get this going with a co-packer, and then I'm going to have to get real serious about marketing, but I'm not ready to do that yet. i got to see this, how the co-packer deal plays out. So once you're done with the test batch do you then and let's you know every everything's fine we're ready to move forward do you have to then put in what would be the initial order and is have you guys already talked about what a uh, initial order has to look like like are there minimum order requirements yes uh, minimum is 100 gallons and we when we get done with this test batch the way i understand it is we have to keep because we're dealing with me doing a I think I figured I'm doing a 54 ounce batches at, on my kitchen table. So we need to ramp all this up and make all the, the math come out so that we can get the ratio right at a hundred gallons and have it still taste the same. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's a lot of back and forth between the test batches um, to get to that level. And that's where I figure I'll probably have to go down there uh, with my partner and we're just going to have to visit with them and, and, work on it in person instead of trying to mail that back and forth and keep doing it that way. But, um, I guess that's the next step for us. What has the relationship with the co-packer been like so far? Very positive. Um, obviously I would like to do face to face with them right off the bat, but bands were this far away. I couldn't, but, uh, the, the two gentlemen I've been dealing with there at red law have been, extremely accommodating and the whole idea what drew me into them is is the, the guy's story from Redlaw is is mine he started out with a sauce that he really liked and he said it took him close to three years to get it to market and he figured there's got to be a better way so he come up with this company or started this company in 2011 to help people like me streamline the process and get your your sauce to market faster and he told me um, it should be somewhere between a six to eight months before uh, I can actually have a package branded sauce ready to market. So we're looking, what is that, uh, June, July, before you have something ready to, to start selling out? Yep, that's, that's what we're kind of figuring anyway. So is there still labeling and all this other stuff, or is that already been taken care of, or is that a next hurdle? That's all in there too. Um, yeah, we have to actually sit down and figure out what kind of bottle or what kind of container we want to put it in. Um, we have to go over the label and he's got, he's got people for all of that. Um, so it's a one stop shop is what this is. So I can be able to do all of that in one, one building or, or through one front company and I'll be able to go through my label and, and he sends this stuff in for the, you have to go through all the FDA regulations and mm-hmm. all the, the pH paperwork on it and, and the nutrition panel and all that. They, they do all that, which is another thing that drew me to them. Do you have a thought between you and your partner on if you're going to do glass bottle or plastic bottle? I mean, it seems like it's almost cutting into super minutia, but I mean, that's all stuff that plays in the overall cost of the product and, and margins and sale price and all that stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. That, 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 I go over that with my friends. We talk about that every day and I've talked about it with my son actually at the kitchen table. And he says, well, this has got to be in a squeeze bottle. It's got, it's a, it's a Mm. squeeze sauce. 
So it's got to be in something, you know, and he was talking about, I think the, the ranches have come out with a new flip top or whatever. He says, well, dad, you need that. Um, because it's, it's a squeezable, it's really good on pizza for one thing. That's what the kids are really starting to enjoy it on. And they just want to squeeze, you know, lines of it across their pizza. So it's not a glob sauce. It's a squeeze sauce. So it's going to be in a squeeze bottle. So it's going to be in a plastic bottle with a squeeze top. And that's about as far as I've gone. I guess we actually picked that all out when I, when I sit down with those guys. Here's a question that I didn't think about before. So I make a homemade barbecue sauce. And I find it to be best after I've cooked a fresh batch on the stove. It's had, you know, a couple hours of cooling down. So it's probably, you know, a little warmer than lukewarm, but it's not cool by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I don't even know if I need to refrigerate it or not. Long way of asking, does your sauce have the ability to set set out like a, a butcher's barbecue grilling oil because it's shelf-stable and, and whatever the ingredients are allow it to sit out, or will it have to go into the refrigerator and potentially get kind of pushed around and, and potentially lost in the mix? Yeah, the way it looks now, to me anyway, and I haven't visited with uh, with Redlaw about this yet, but it mine, it, it has to be refrigerated based on some of the ingredients in it. I, I don't know if that can be adjusted later when they actually make it. Um, if, if we can put preservative in there, I don't know any of that stuff, of course. But as it is now, yeah, I, it, I feel like it needs to be refrigerated. And, and you know, it's a, of course, you got to shake well because it, it, it could separate out too. Uh, but, yeah, it's not what I would call shelf-stable. Are you looking to make it uh, gluten-free or uh, no GMO or MSG or whatever the hell everybody's talking about, or is that not a big concern? Ah, hell no. MSG tastes delicious. <laughs> I'm all for it. Dion Blumenrader <laughs> is my guest, and he is part of Big Hoss Barbecue, and they have created one sauce, which is actually getting ready to hit test bottles. And uh, here we will go and see the next time where we go. Um, what are some of the, the high things that we, we want to mention here before I let you go that we can look forward to next quarter? Things that like benchmarks we well, want to hit. Well, the, after, the next time I talk to you, we will have gone through the test batches and we will probably be scaled up to, to our actual production batch. And I'm even thinking by that point, we'll have a bottle picked out. Um, we should have all the FDA paperwork. I, of course, I don't know how long that takes, but the nutrition panel and the ingredient and all that stuff, we should have all that done. And there's actually, I, I'm looking on my list here, there's a shelf, shelf life study. So they actually study that too. And there's a fee associated with that, but they study that too. So I'm assuming we're, we're looking at getting ready to bottle it the next time I talk to you or maybe possibly even have it bottled by then. All right. Well, don't let me lose track. I have a very bad track record of having a great idea and then letting it fall through the cracks. So uh, I, I am counting on you, Dion, to make sure that you are going to keep me on track here. And uh, so I'm thinking like what, uh, that would be April, uh, beginning of April, end of April uh, would be the next time the, the new quarter rolls around. So we'll see how the benchmarks have been hit, and also make sure you're keeping track of all those receipts and stuff so we can have a running total of where that cash is going. And uh, this will be a great reference for folks that are looking to get into the sauce business and uh, learn from what you're doing. Again, it's Dion Blumenrader 
with Big Hoss Barbecue. Dion, great first segment. Really appreciate it and look forward to again uh, talking to you next quarter. Oh, me too. Thank you a lot, Greg. I really appreciate this. You got it. There he is, Dion Blumenrader. One sauce, everybody. Get your one sauce. All guests appear via the Trader Grills hotline. Get your one sauce. <clears throat> Yummy. Let me tell you, he hit on a very key component, the most prolific thing that Dion said. And uh, by the way, very appreciative of his candor, openness, up front, uh, willing to share all the the costs and what angle he's coming in from. Did you hear the key component as far as evaluating if this was something they really wanted to move forward? They reached for the sauce more than they reached for the ranch. It's prolific. That is when you know you have a winner. Ranch is the dumbing down of pallets across America. If you're over the age of 16 and you're putting ranch on, I don't even know what the hell you would put ranch on aside from vegetable dip. You're not seven anymore. Join the real world with the rest of us adults. And that's saying something coming from a guy whose palate isn't uh, overly extended, and I'm the first one to admit it to the most popular people in the industry, I might add. That's Dion Blumenrader. Next quarter, we'll see where he's at. It's a barbecue sauce documentary. Hopefully you enjoyed that first segment. We're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you've found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. All right, welcome back. Thanks again to Dion Blumenrader for joining me last segment. Let's go ahead and roll out all the way back in the first hour. We talked with Stephen Reichland, Barbecue Hall of Famer. Multitude of topics, so go back and make sure you catch that on podcast if you're just tuning in now. That will be released tomorrow. Also, thanks to the new third Tuesday of the month guest that will be following Stephen Reichland. That's Robin Lindar's The Grill Girl. Talked a little bit of duck. Talked about SCA competitions. Talked about the amazing smoke tube and what she thought of that. She will also be released in podcast tomorrow in the second hour, which will be released Thursday. It was Josh Resnick talking about Duck Char, D-U-C-K-C-H-A-R, DuckChar.com, and his Moulard brand of duck. Very excited about that. And we close it out with Dion Blumenrader talking about the one sauce that he is bringing to market, the new Barbecue Central Show documentary. Fabulous. Big show planned for you next week. Huge social media types coming on. You ever heard of Hey Grill Hey? She'll be on. That's right. Embedded correspondence next week as well in the second hour. So we're locked and loaded for a great show next week. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.